next episode of the Bulldog Broadcast on the Field of 68 Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, former Gonzaga player, trying to bring insight and some thoughts to make you look a little bit differently at this Gonzaga program, especially this year on such a unique year with COVID and a unique year in the fact that the chatter is starting. Can they go undefeated? It's possible when you now look at their schedule. Uh, they got through what everyone's going to say the tough part of the schedule, which is true to a certain extent, but you got to give Gonzaga and Coach Few a ton of credit for going out and scheduling those games and then competing at such a high level to get through the non-conference at 8-0. The first team in college basketball history in their first four their first seven games, four of the teams that they beat, their opponents were top 20 ranked opponents. So they're definitely uh, trending in the right direction for those people that still are naysayers about the Gonzaga program. Today's episode a little different. Jeff Goodman, field of 68. The What do we want to call you? The consigliere? We want to call you the godfather of the network? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give that to Rob Dawson. questions. We'll, we'll give that to Rob Doster. Uh, you know, listen, always good to be on with you. Um, we picked the right year uh, for you to do this. That's for that's for sure. I, I just hope you're not going to ask me to break down the NAU and Dixie State wins. Then I'm in trouble. Well, we uh, our regional broadcast crew uh, had those games the last two nights. And uh, those games quickly – I don't want to say evolved, but they kind of quickly devolved into uh, some banter that that, that some people like to hear, some others don't like to hear. But quite frankly, when it's a 45-point blowout early in the second half, what more can you talk about? Uh, We got off topic a little bit. We talked about some good topics. Uh, But we also saw some some production from some of the young guys the last two nights that it it might not look – like, hey, they're they're really learning, but they are. You know, Omar Umar Balo had a really nice night last night, 17 points. Dominic Harris played really well the last two games. Anton Watson starting to provide a little bit more consistent uh, play at that four position. I think after that big stretch of games that, that we mentioned at right off the top, now you're getting into the, the, the opportunity where some of the young guys can get some experience because as you know, Jeff, you're never going to get through a college basketball season healthy with all starters playing 30 plus minutes and starting every game. So you got to get some of those guys that would be in the rotation at other places, the eight, nine, 10 guys get some minutes. And I think they did that the last couple of nights. You got to keep them happy too, right? Keep the guys happy that you know you want to keep in this program. Because if you don't, and you're only playing seven dudes every night, those guys are going to transfer. They're not going to stick around, a lot of them. They're they're certainly going to think about it. And and now is the time when, to me, you sit at Jalen Suggs. Like, he probably was healthy enough to play in both of those games, if I had to guess. But but for what? Right? Like, give other guys opportunities. Give Andrew Nemhard, because it's a a difficult year for Nemhard. He didn't want to play. He didn't. He was all set to sit out. And then, obviously, everybody gets a year back. His father flies up to Spokane. They have a meeting. They decide he's going to play. Well, his role is not what he thought it was going to be a year from now. He thought he was going to be the guy playing 35 minutes as a point guard. And now, well, it's it's Jalen Suggs' show for the most part. And so, so you've got to use these opportunities, whether it's these two games 
or going forward, even in, 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 in some of the league games, if you're Mark Few, it's going to be very important that you pick your spots for when to be able to get these guys uh, extended run, if you can. No, you, you made a couple of really good points there. First, the transfer, you know, people are probably on each, you know, these podcasts with, with comments going back and forth, as well as every school nowadays has these message boards that, you know, you got your uh, keyboard warriors out there that, that, that think they know the inside scoop where unfortunately uh, I hate to break it to them. Uh, they really don't. <laughs> and it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting dynamic, this transfer thing, because what you mentioned is completely true. It's, there's an epidemic in college athletics and basketball in particular about the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, and because of, the ability now to transfer and not have to sit out or, you know, last year or the year before asking for a waiver and getting it accepted. Um, and, and I heard some goofy ones like where, how is that transfer waiver accepted yet? That one is not, I mean, there, there was no, there was no consistency with, with the rulings. Um, and so I think you're exactly right where a lot of coaches are kind of having to balance that fine line of, they know the players two years away from being a solid rotational impact player, yep. but in the mind of the player's parents or the player's AAU coach, that's not the case. And so, you know, when you get a chance to kind of balance those, those minutes and increase those minutes in games, you got to do it um, to keep all things happy, uh, all parties happy, but the Nemhart, um, you know, situation, I think he's been phenomenal this year and, and you're right. You, you, you transfer, Knowing I've got a year to sit, your mind frame is I'm going to work on my body. I'm going to work on my skill set. I'm going to learn the playbook. I'm going to attack practices uh, in a way that these are my games. Now, all of a sudden, that waiver happens and he's immediately eligible. That's a hard change mentally to make. Yep. And I think he's done a, a tremendous job of that. He hasn't shot the ball the way that he's capable of, but his presence on the floor, his ability to, to push in transition – uh, his ability to create in the half court. I'm excited to see him in Spokane over the next couple of years. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think again, um, that's, that's the, the thing, you know, he was going to work in a shot. That was the biggest thing. He was going to come out looking like a different player and look at his, you know, working a shot next year. And now he's doing it on the fly and, and he's playing more of a complimentary role and it's probably hurting his, his NBA stock right this year. It's not helping it this year. And next year, he's got to wait. He's got to wait for next year to be the guy. This year, he's got a chance to be on a national championship team and then next year have that hype going into it of him returning and him being the guy with probably Drew Timmy, I'd have to guess. You know, I think Timmy will come back. Uh, I hope he comes back. Who knows? You know, it's still a long season. Uh, but I, I, I think Suggs is gone and we know Kispert's gone and uh, I don't want to. I don't want to start talking about that stuff already. I can't talk about Jalen Suggs leaving already. <laughs> I mean, we're I'm enjoying we're him. In. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, well, that's the beautiful thing. It's, I love watching him. Dead. Can I tell you, like, honestly, of of all the guys, um, and every year, like, there's a couple guys that you just you gravitate towards that you want to watch, no matter what. Forget about the team. You want to see that player because you just want to see what he can do and what he's going to do. That's Jalen Suggs to me this year. Even more than Kate Cunningham. Well, and I, I think the reason why is I think Cunningham's a little bit more of a scorer than Jalen Suggs. 
just from the limited sample I've seen with, with Cunningham. Um, but the thing about Suggs is he just plays the right way. Yeah. I mean, offensively, as a point guard, he throws it ahead early, reminding me of Jason Kidd. When he doesn't, because the defense uh, has flattened, he probes and creates, and then he makes the right read for himself or for others. But I think the biggest difference, um, the, the, maybe I don't know if I want to call it the difference, but the the, the thing I, I'm most impressed about is for a freshman point guard, the way he defends. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I, I can't remember of a, a single freshman point guard that defends the way he has. And that's something that this Gonzaga program really has never had. A big 6'3", six, 6'4", six, point guard with athleticism. That was you, Dan. What do you mean? That was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Nigel Williams-Goss was a good defender, but he was a positional defender. He wasn't athletic. Like right. Yeah, exactly. Not right. not like athletic like like Suggs. Exactly. And his his the fact he plays so hard, too, being quote-unquote a guy. You That's know, amazing. As a top recruit to yeah. come in and his willingness to defend, to embrace that part of it, the fact that he, he, can, he can move the ball – He's unselfish, yet he can get his, but it doesn't look like he's being a pig. Like, it, it, it's it's amazing to me. No, I Honestly, I, I love you. I'm doing a mock draft now, and I'm having him at number one. When I, I, was gonna, I was just going to ask you, because yeah. the conversations I can only imagine are Suggs, yep. Cade Cunningham, yep. and probably, I would guess, Evan Mobley from USC. I mean, I don't think – And Jalen Green from the G League uh, Ignite team. As well. sure. And that's where the college basketball fans that are always talking about these mock drafts of, oh, this guy's a first round pick. Hold on a second. There's G League guys now that can be drafted because they went that route. Yep. And then the European factor that, um, you know, the college fan really doesn't understand. I mean, you, you're looking at um, nobody knows who Jokic was when he was drafted. Nobody knows who uh, all the, these other first round guys uh, are. Yeah, I mean, even Luca. Like, we have people questioning Luca, like a lot of people, because yeah. he wasn't a great athlete. So you're like, well, how's he going to fit in today's game? Well, it's worked out pretty good for Luca. Yeah. No, you for don't sure. Know. And that's where no. there, there's, there's two different games. The pro game is so different than the college game. You could be a tremendous college player, tremendous, and not have a chance at the NBA. Oh, and then you can be a – you can be a mediocre college player and be tremendous in the NBA. It, it's just a different game. Luca Garza is a great example, right? Like he's the best player in college, no question about it right now. And most NBA guys I still talk to say, listen, he, he's a second round pick. Yeah. You know, he'll probably go somewhere in the in the 30s or 40s. Uh, he's gotten better, but in today's game, too, a big plotting big man. Now he he can he can go out and shoot it now. That's the advantage. He can do that. Their biggest worry with him is obviously his foot speed, his ability to guard at the next level. Yeah, and that's where um, – and the other unfortunate thing is when you're talking about an older player like Garza or for Gonzaga, Kispert, it gives front offices four years to evaluate and nitpick and, and get stuck on the things that they don't like as opposed to the things that they do like. Now, in Kispert's case, I think he's done a tremendous job of improving every single year, and that's a testament to the Gonzaga program. But when he came in, he was not a great defender. He has become a good defender, and that's through a lot of hard work in the weight room, uh, basketball IQ growing over the course of four years. And I, I think when he has 
had the opportunity to talk to the coaching staff and get feedback from what NBA teams evaluate him on, he's taken it to heart and worked on it. And that's not necessarily the case with a lot of guys. Um, so I think it goes both ways with being in college for four years. But for Garza, I think it's probably hurt him. Yeah. But for a guy like Kispert, yeah, well, I think he, it's helped him. Totally, because he's at it. You're right. I mean, listen, everybody knew he was a good shooter. Now he's shown he's an elite shooter. And the other part that's helped Corey Kispert is Joe Harris and Duncan Robinson. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, I mean, the more yeah. you see those dudes, Joe Harris get paid and Duncan Robinson just reining them at 6'8". And, and Duncan Robinson's going to make – I mean, seriously, he may make – He might make $100 million. I mean, you're talking Joe Harris is a Washington kid. Yeah. Congrats to him. His, his dad is a, was a tremendous high school coach at Chelan High School in the middle of the state. But $75 million kids get yeah. out there and rep That's that jump size. shot. I mean, it's amazing. Right. You don't have to guard. If you're, if you're trading threes for twos, you just got to – Honestly, you got to try to guard and be smart enough to be in the right position. If you're doing that, they'll take that in the NBA if you're trading threes for twos. If you're an elite shooter and you can space the court, uh, no doubt. Hey, I had, a, I had a huge dilemma. I was picking my All-American team the other day. First team All-American team, you know, five weeks into the season here, conference play starting everywhere. And um, the hardest decision I had was which Gonzaga player to pick. Like, you I only pick one because they're right now they're they're running away as the number one favorite to win the title. The, yeah, I mean maybe I should have more than one player. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're going to tell me now. Like I picked five guys and and I, I went Jared Butler, Garza for sure. Yeah, yeah. Jared Butler from Baylor. He's the best player on the second best team. They're undefeated. Um, Io DeSumo from Illinois. He's been sensational. Yeah. And I went Marcus Carr from Minnesota. He's been tremendous too. And, and I saved one spot for Gonzaga. Maybe I should have saved more than one, but I, I, I just figured, let's be fair, let's spread it around. Um, who would you go with? You get one pick right now. I, I want to know your answer to this, and I'll tell you who I chose out. <laughs> that's, that's a, that is a loaded question because they both impact the game in so many different ways. And the, the problem, I think, is to be an All-American, you've got to be, one, a tremendous player to even be in the conversation. Two, your numbers have to really kind of justify the selection, and your team has to win. Right. Uh, I don't know enough about uh, Marcus Carr. The other three guys to me are, are – if they continue yeah. to play at the level they're they're, awesome. at, they're almost locks. Uh, I haven't seen Marcus Carr enough to really that say take him off or keep yeah. him on, to be honest. Um, but he'd have to be pretty dang good to keep one of these two Gonzaga players off the list. Uh, yeah, and he is. I mean, they're like eight and one at Minnesota, um, and he's. But can they keep that going? I mean, I know the Big Ten. Somebody I saw a comment on social media the other day. It's only a matter of days until the Big Ten conference coaches start saying all fourteen teams should be in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. They're that good this year. Led by I mean, Fred Hoiberg. Yes. No what, doubt. What, no doubt. I mean, is it? Is, it, is Minnesota start able to continue the way it's gone? They don't have an elite team. Okay. Like right off the bat, they don't have that team. Like, I don't know who their best team is. Is it Wisconsin? Is it Iowa? I don't know. Is it Rutgers? Um, there's a lot of really good teams. They probably do deserve, ten, you know, 10 teams at the end of the day. Um, but I don't know if they have a team capable of winning six straight. Like to me, clearly the top three teams, in my opinion, like Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova are the three teams. Unless something crazy happens, 
I'm probably going to pick all three to get to the final four. I just think they're that much better. They're older. They've got um, defined roles, really good players, really good coach, like everything about them. I just think it fits um, the fourth team. I don't know. I, you know, we'll, we'll see. So I, right. I like, I like Illinois. I do. I mean, I, I think the point guard IO is tremendous. They've got the other uh, kind of slithery oh, guard. Uh, Frazier, I believe is his name, the lefty. And then they've got some good size. I don't think their 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 size are guys that you're going to worry about them going for twenty and eight on a consistent yeah. basis. But they're good. They're skilled, and they're worry very about well coached Kofi with Brad Coburn uh, in a dark alley. That's what you worry about. If you see Kofi Coburn, yes, in a dark alley, you run that. You run like hell the other way, Dan. And, and that's you need that in March. You need that in March, um, and, and that's something that the toughness factor of sometimes you just need one early, I, I call it giving a guy a shot. You give a guy a shot early in the game and it kind of stuns somebody. Yep. They're not going to go to the offensive glass. They're not going to cut as hard. They're not going to come off of screens or set screens the way that they normally would. And if you've got that guy on your team in March, you've got the advantage. So, all right, before we wrap soon here, uh, you, you can't avoid my question. You're trying to, but I you know. can't avoid it. I know I was trying to avoid it because if there's Gonzaga people that, that <laughs> which I'm sure are going to listen to this, uh, that's, upon that's why release, I'm doing it. I'm going to get questions here or there. I, I would say Corey Kispert, Me you too. know, I, I think because of, uh, you know, the fact that you also, I think you got to look at it from a bigger picture as far as the leadership that he's providing and the growth that he's shown as a player. I think that, I don't want to say because of that he should get the nod, you know, through voters, but because I've been around the program so long and I've seen the evolution of his game, he's just a great story for college basketball. I mean, he came in as a really nice player and he's worked his tail off to become a great college player. And if he keeps up his play like this, yes, he should be a first team all American. Uh, I don't see any reason why Drew Timmy keeps his level of play that he wouldn't be, you know, a second-team All-American. And then, obviously, Suggs should be in the conversation for freshman of the year. He'll be a third-team All-American. And we'll have <laughs> you all, never know. All that would be amazing. I mean, oh, they you should. would probably know more than I would about when the last time a team had three All-Americans. I don't consider, you know, getting votes and honorable mention. That's not an All-American to me. I wonder Those if it was The first Duke. three teams are the ones that matter. I feel like it was probably a Duke team. That, probably. Because they, they get the juice, too, right? Like, not only do they maybe earn it, but you're also going to get that Duke juice. And I think Gonzaga is starting to get it now. I do. I think if the season ended today, I would absolutely have Kispert on my first team. Uh, I might even have Suggs and Timmy on my second team, All-Americans. I think, honestly, you can make a case that those are – You could make the case. Players. Yeah. I, I would I would not argue you out of that if if I was overseeing your ballot before you, you uh, sent that in. When, when's the next game that's going to be, you know – good for 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 the zags now and so just so i got to know what to circle here i mean i know usf listen i saw them i saw them beat uh virginia um so they 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 certainly are capable um but i don't yeah i'm pulling up the schedule right now uh on my phone and, and usf with todd golden they've done a nice job but uh, again that's i mean you, you're talking the WCC has improved over the last few years. Yep. And I firmly believe that. Yeah. I think Damon Stoudemire is doing a great job at Pacific. I, I think USF, you know, <clears throat> St. Mary's BYU continue to be really good, but Gonzaga's raised the bar 
even more than those teams that have improved, which is amazing to think. The, the question to me are going to be the, the games at St. Mary's and BYU. It's always such a raucous kind of crazy environment. Won't be, there's won't no be fans raucous there. this year. Yeah, there's no fans there, although BYU might. I, I think from what I've heard, they might be able to have some fans. Gonzaga doesn't have to go in to that environment, but can but you can create energy based off of that crowd's energy. Can they go into those gyms when they're quiet and continue to create their own energy um, and, and play at a high level? Those are the two that are really interesting to me. Yeah, no doubt. Listen, it's it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, I appreciate you having me on as always. And uh, you got to shovel some snow now, don't you? Absolutely. So Spokane, we've got uh, we got about four inches last night. It's supposed to snow the next three days. So uh, thank you, Jeff, for, for joining the Bulldog broadcast on the Field of 68 Network. Love breaking down the game. Uh, always love talking hoops with you. And uh, yeah, I got to get out to that snow because uh, it's coming down hard. All right. We'll talk soon. Happy New Year. You too.